0: hello everyone welcome to episode two of the twin pod my name is david and my name is jonathan and we're here with special guest daniel Gorbin. daniel is a mentor he's a father yeah he's someone that we grew up with um, he's actually married to our sister so we know him quite well we grew up with him um, we've always kind of seen him as a mentor in our life we always looked up to him a lot uh, thank you dan for being here we appreciate it yeah thank you for having me yeah yeah, something we really admire about you, Dan, is just how you, um, how you lead your family, how you have time for ministry, how you have time for family, how you have time for business and work and all this. And just our question to you is like, we, we are starting off our lives with, you know, we have two new families. Um, and we're just, our question to you is, how do you, how do you balance everything? How do you go about it? How do you make sure there's enough time for your kids, enough time for your wife, enough time for ministry? Make sure everywhere that you're involved, you're putting in enough time into that.
1: Okay. So, I mean, in our lives, it's about establishing principles and off of those principles we go. So my first thing is having a relationship with God and then relationship with my my wife. That's secondary, then kids and then ministry. Um, And the thing that I focus on the most is the place that I have to be in that no one else could fill. Ministry could be filled in by somebody else. As a husband, that can't be filled in any, with anyone else. As a father of three kids, I have to be there for my kids. I have to be there for the soccer games, gymnastics. That is, no one else can fill those shoes. And those are the shoes that I'm always wearing. Like that's my priority. And from that priority is kind of where, where my focus is. That's my number one focus. And everything else kind of flows from that. And if, if the priorities are set, every other area of my life, ministry, my, my other relationships are always going to be healthy if, if it's structured that way.
0: Where do you think it went wrong like in the past? Cause I know growing up, a lot of times we hear the thing where it's like, all right, it's God, then ministry, then your family. And a lot of a lot of like the older um, older families, they would prioritize the church over their own family. And then wh- where do you think that kind of stemmed from and all that?
1: Okay, I think just structure and having the resources that we don't have, we have data. I can look back 30, 40 years and look at certain structures and how they've kind of moved or have they fallen apart. Um, And so many newborn believers were like, okay, God and ministry is exactly the same thing. What we're noticing is obviously that's not the same thing. You know, your relationship with God is your priority you pursue. And then you you fulfill your responsibility as as a husband, as a father. And then ministry comes after the fact. Gotcha.
0: You were once our age. You were once in the youth. You were once growing up in the same church that we actually grew up in. What was like your kind of... um, Your journey to ministry like how did you become like like you're pretty much a pastor you were once a youth leader you know what was like kind of that journey for you from like your teenage years?
1: Mm. That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I never thought about ministry I kind of grew up and seen my dad from the the old culture of things where ministry and being a pastor and having a day job and then coming from a big family was was like there was inadequacies there and and maybe pain. And so when I looked at ministry, I was like, I don't want anything to do with ministry. There's too much pain, too much suppression, too much other things that come along with it. But when God calls you, um, those inadequacies, those things that you feel short of, those are the things you press in when you're doing ministry. So if we were to grab like Moses and Aaron, right? Moses understood where he fell short. Aaron, on the other hand, knew his strengths. He was, he was a great communicator, but he couldn't lead the people that, like Moses needed to lead them, right? Because as soon as Moses left, Aaron would just give them whatever they wanted and let them worship false God because he was always relying on himself and his capabilities. Kind of growing up in that ministry has always been like, I'm not good at this, I'm not educated enough, I'm not anointed enough. And what I would do is I wouldn't allow those things to push me away from God or away from ministry, but give those onto God and say, God, these are the things that I lack. And then God kind of partners up with the things that we lack and, and performs what he always does, you know? Because I'm always relying on God in that sense, rather than my own capabilities and my own strengths. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and then um, what was like, so what was like the first kind of step in ministry that you ever had? Like, What was your first ministry in church?
1: Oh, the first ministry was was a life group for uh, teenagers. Um, they were they didn't have a place to go, and so Friday nights, we're like, well, you guys could just come hang out with me. We just got newly married. And so Friday nights, we, we just hung out with them and just kind of shared the word. and. And noticing the need and just kind of sewing in and trying to build, build disciples off of that. But just loving them, having, having a heart for them <clears throat> and making sure they have a place.
0: Yeah, I know, I know that's um, something that like when we were growing up, that's something we were lacking. Having like a, like a small group uh, Bible study, something like that, where we just gather together with like teenagers, people our age. And we talk about God, we talk about the Bible, we read scripture, you know. W- why is that so important in a young person's life?
1: it's it's fundamental it builds their foundation i think one of the other questions that we spoke about over dinner right over the holidays was the church and deconstruction de- deconstructing and Carl lens i think like if you look at a church right there's, there's so many people and everybody comes from a different background they're raised differently and like a parent that has has their own life struggles raises somebody else right and then they go to a church and they have their own viewpoints and so the biggest thing was always to create an environment where we could deconstruct and be rebuilt according to scripture versus experiences or encounters or any other thing, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And going off that, um, you just mentioned Carl Lentz, uh, something recently just happened with Carl Lentz where he, um, he actually got back, not, uh, not into pastoral position, yeah. but, um, you know, he, he helps with the pastoral team and stuff like that. He's, um, guidance, something, something, like, something like that. So what's your whole thought process on that situation? Because Carl Lentz went from being the main pastor at Hillsong Church to, um, you know, there was the whole scandal with his wife. He had yeah, a moral fa- failure. Yeah, moral failure and all that. Um, and now he's 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 been put into Transformation Church as um, as helping with the pastoral team there. So what's your whole thought process on that? Like, is that something that should be happening, or, or what's your thought on that?
1: I love seeing that he's not in a pastoral role, so that that's okay for me. Um, but being there to guide a next generation, showing them what grace looks like, what grace feels like, and what re, the re, the redemptive story—I mean, he went through rehab, he went through all the all the all the things that he needed to go to to be rehab, you know, just rebuild. Um, I think it's good because now he could sow all of those lessons into young leaders. Because I mean that's that's the thing that most times in anyone's life we all start well. We start off pretty good, right? On fire for God, zealous for God. And then we get those boundaries that we kind of spoke about, they kind of get blended and we kind of shift off. If there's somebody in his camp, say, hey, hey, let's let's stay this way. Because now I'm living proof. I know what that road leads to. Let's let's not go there there, right? And so he's acting as someone to just guide someone into, into the kingdom and make sure that there's no no additional failures or nothing more harmful for the for the kingdom in that sense. So I, I think it's great. I believe in second chances. I mean I I mean I'm here. We're all here for for that reason.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then um, so going off that I guess too, we you were once in a very conservative church. You just recently um, moved churches. What's the dangers of trying to lead in a conservative church? Because I know there's, some, there's always some boundaries. There's always some hardships. There's always something that you, maybe you got you're kind of butting heads with, with a few people there. Okay. Is there anything that you experienced?
1: Yeah, can we go next question? No kidding. <laughs> um, no, that's a, that's a great question, because I think uh, for most of us, we'll, we'll kind of encounter that in one way or the other. Um, kind of leading or being a minister in a conservative church is the danger is, is multiple things. If you don't align up with certain views, you create disunity and, and you must have unity inside of, inside of the church. Uh, on, on the leaderboard, there has to be unity. There shouldn't be opposition. We should challenge each other, but in a way that honors God to kind of grow the church, be unified as, as, Christ, as Christ is with the Father and the Holy Spirit. But Unity is extremely important. So if you're like, hey, I don't believe in your guys' conservative views and you're always creating an opposition, you're not helping, like, the church. So there's, there's that danger point. The personal danger point that I see is too often many people will suppress being who they truly are to kind of fit a different mold. Okay, so if I'm, if I'm a different type of individual and God has called me, so if, uh, we would have to backtrack. Apostle Paul, he was a driven, a zealous passionate um, individual for for God, right? Before he met Christ, he was zealous for, for all things, right? Persecuting the, the new church, but he he was loud and he was kind of rough around the edges, right? But that's who he was. When he became a believer, when he met Christ on the road of Damascus, he didn't change. If you look at his character, he's still that same Paul. Um, so from so Saul to Paul, he still has those characteristics. He's still a little rough. He's still speaks a certain way. He's still bold and he stands on his firm, but God still used who he was for his glory or for his mission. Too often we want Apostle Paul to look like another Pharisee or another uh, individual at that time. That was not the case. He remained who he was and God used that for his glory. Look, Look at the New Testament. It's because he didn't change. God just changed his mission but he still remained. Yes, he was sanctified. He had a different purpose. I understand that, but I'm talking about on a characteristic level, he still remained the same Paul, and I love that he's so zealous. He gets in there and, and just starts calling people out, calls out Peter. I mean, he's, he's, he's on a mission, but he has a different mission, but he didn't change. So going back to, to the, the question, too often you'll either suppress who you truly are, who God called you to be, and God called us all unique. We, we're, we're all different parts of the body in in the church, Um, and we'll suppress to be something that we're not, right? And we'll either create this toxic environment for the church or for the leadership board or anything else. So for me, um, yeah, I I was leading in a very um, conservative church, and I was honoring the pastor and making sure that my preferences never got in the way of God's glory, like in the sense of it's not about my glory. It should not be about my opinions on how the church is. I'm under a leader, my pastor, and what the pastor had set is what I'm going to honor and pursue, right? And that, that's the case. And you you do that until God kind of changes things around. And 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 for us, God, God had an exodus for us to move on to something else. It wasn't like we left because of differences. No, no, no. We honor those differences there, but... Um, but I was careful not to be a toxic trait to them, but also not to, like, go away from who I truly am in, in you know. And it can be about style. It can't be about that. You have to be true to your identity and true to the freedom that God has set us to. So, like, if my freedom is being removed in the sense of worship or praise, or it, you know, I'm, I'm going to reevaluate and reconsider. But so, I don't, so, I'm not sure if those are the dangers yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about, though.
0: You know, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, um... So when you're, when you're moving through to a new ministry, I mean, that's a big step. Or when you're leaving a church, that's a huge step. How do you know when a door is closing and when a door is opening? Mm,
1: that's good. So I always look at my motives. That's my number one. And then I always look at like my previous church. What are my viewpoints of my old pastor, the old members and everything else? If I have bitterness, or if I have resentment towards them, or if I'm even trying to prove a point that that's wrong, then I have to go back there. That door is not closed mm. yet. Because anytime you leave, you have to honor God. And I always say, when you leave something, it should always thrive and grow more because you've built something there, it should continue growing. It should never break apart or fall apart when you leave. Then it has become about you rather than Christ. It's been about you as an individual, your gifting versus the kingdom. And we always say that we focus too much on the castle versus the kingdom, right? So even if God shifts and moves people around for different reasons, we make it such a big deal, but it's not. Like if God wants you here for a certain period of time to build up the kingdom and then He's going to use you somewhere else, because all of us are or, you know, differently wired, that's okay. We shouldn't view it as like, okay, he left the church and that's it. Like everything's falling apart. No, no, no. You have to leave with, you have to leave in peace. You got to make sure that I look back at the old church and I love everybody. I pray blessing over them. There's, there's no, you know, like anger towards it or bitterness. And if there was, because too often young people, I'll be honest with you, young people want to leave because they're bitter, they're upset, or they're just exhausted, you know? And I'd say, you could be exhausted with your efforts but never exhausted with, with the work of the Holy Spirit because that could get tough, that could get hard, but we never stop at that.
0: So let's switch gears a little bit. So Dan, you're growing a business right now. You started a business, I believe, what, two, three years ago? Yeah. Two two years three, ago. It's called Lost Trails. Yes. your hat. You yep. got it on. It's just some Small promotion. promotion. Come on. come <laughs> on. Um, so basically, what kind of explain what your business is. What are you selling? What are you trying to do with this business?
1: I'm not trying to sell anything. What I'm trying to do is build a life that um, affords me more time okay. with, with my priorities, kind of what we spoke right. about earlier. Uh, more, time for, for, for God, more time for my relationship with God, more time for my relationship with my spouse, and then with my children and so on, and more time for ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, what was that kind of that, that shift that made you like, all right, it's time to like, figure out a way that I can start a business, that I could start s- s- m- like, getting my time back? Because mm-hmm. you used to work a nine to five, you were a manager, uh, still, well, still, uh, still our manager, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're still doing that, and then you're doing like, I guess you'd call it your side gig that you're trying to grow,
1: grow, yeah. grow
0: into your full-time ministry. So what, wh- full-time job, my bad, not your full-time ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the moment where you're like, all right, like I gotta do something to stop my nine to five and start a business where I can start getting my time back?
1: Okay i mean so the the time came where i realized that i don't control my 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 legacy or the outcome of certain things what you could do is you could put in 80 hours into something but what you reap out of it is slightly different right and so you're always putting out fires there's always another process to be developed always another system. And so for me, it's like, I want to, I want to sow into something that I could reap longer. And what I've realized in the situation I was in, the nine to five, that wasn't the case, you know? So I want to be able to sow now. And then for my children, my children's children to be able to reap. And so, and then there was obviously all the other stuff, the balance of life, ministry and everything else. I'm like, well, there's no way I could succeed in everything, right? If you given, I read a book, The One Thing, right? If you want to succeed in life, just focus on the one thing, you know, Michael Jordan one thing, if I, I if I was just, you know, if I named off an individual, you'd be able to, okay, that's what he's defined as, and I'm like, what is my one thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm spread apart, and anybody that's spread apart doesn't do anything really great, you know, mm-hmm. but I realize I'm gonna have to do this for now, and that's kind of the hope, that's how, the balance that that is needed, I kind of, okay, this is just a temporary season where I'm spread out, but I have a goal, and the goal is to afford myself more time for, for things that are eternal, for the things that are gonna outlive me, right, yeah. rather than my com- the company I work for now, you know, mm-hmm. and so kind of pivoting from that, I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do I do this right? Yeah, yeah. so that's where Lost Trails was was born. You know, awesome, awesome.
0: What was the, like the slogan? You you mentioned that there's like a slogan with Lost Trails. Oh, rather be lost. Rather be lost. That's awesome. That's but it's like story.
1: rather be lost from like the daily grinds, the nine to five, the chaos of life, the you know waking up at five in the morning, you know, and coming home after it's dark. Like oh, it's wow. yeah, you're just giving up too much for just the Norm, And so it's like, I just want to get lost from this. And so we were just going up to the mountains and spending time with the kiddos and letting, you know, finding some, some fun activity for them. And it's like, that's what I want to return. I want to get lost from from the daily chaos of, of the Western world and,
0: and do something different. Then so. awesome. how important is legacy to every individual? Because so often we, we look around people around our lives, you know, and a lot of these people, they're, they're stuck on um, the now, you know, they're stuck on 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 the temporary, they're stuck on tomorrow, they're stuck on right now, but they don't give too much thought to, to legacy. Yeah. And how important is it to focus on your legacy? So right. I'd have
1: to bring in my faith.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and anything
1: that God does, He does it eternal mind- mindset. He doesn't do anything for the now. He's never like raised up disciples for just this little season or no. He raised up those men to affect us now, right? Uh, the redemption is for eternity, right? All of these things that he does, he builds forever, like from creation, from the story of the fall, from from uh, from redeeming us. It, it's forever. If we treat everything in the now, we never grow because there's nothing to grow from. God is not going to just waste effort on. You know, it's like we talk about healing and all of those other terms. It's like, well, God wants you to grow as an individual identity, be positioned in him. And then he grows from that. And that's where the question of legacy comes from. He doesn't focus on one season. Like there should be effects of what you're doing for the kingdom today, 200 years from today. You may not know, oh, this was Johnny's effort or something else, but the way God orchestrates it when you partner with God, that is the effect. And so when I look at from the way God does things, like I mean, we're still talking about Apostle Paul, and we spoke about him earlier. The way God orchestrated that, we're still reaping the benefits of that legacy, right? Of of, of God, God anointing him and, and doing that work. So for me, it's the same, it's the same way. It's not and we always talk about this. We, we always want to leave a, a financial inheritance. For me, I want to leave a a stable mental um, inheritance for my kids. And that's why I do the things the way I do. And a spiritually uh, a spiritual inheritance for my kids' kids, right? Legacy-wise, where they're healthy throughout, where they're not having to deconstruct because their grandfather was just not put together, right? And so learn the lessons fast. Learn from other people's mistakes. Going back to Carl Lentz, right? Just learn quick. Look at somebody else's life and like, I don't want to learn that life. God, give me the wisdom. And that's kind of having a grace approach rather than a judgment approach. Too often we have a judgment approach when we even talking about Carl Lentz, right? Like if that conversation is brought up, it's like, oh, Carl Lentz. Like for me, it's like, I'm going to have a grace approach. I'm going to look at Carl Lentz and be like, God was good even in his life, right? To redeem him, to give him a second chance. Look at my life, right? And if you have a grace perspective or a lens, you're like, okay, I, I could, you know, it, it's different because now you're learning and building yourself and your generation to come your legacy when you have a grace
0: approach. Yeah, and speaking into this, I mean uh, John Bevere talks a lot about this about the eternal perspective and how your time on earth here is so small but what you do on earth has eternal effects the I mean Yeah, and um, he goes into a story about I think it's Jonathan Edwards and Jonathan Edwards lineage and then um, a guy I, I don't remember who he said but it was a guy that I mean, like convicted felon. I mean, he was in jail multiple times and everything And his lineage. And pretty much uh, Jonathan Edwards' lineage, I mean, from that one guy rooted a whole like thousands of people. But pretty much all these people were pretty much successful in everything they did, you know. Whereas the person um, that was in jail, incarcerated and all this, um, from his lineage st- stemmed all these people that, again, were incarcerated again or, or went to court many times or, you know just broken families, all of this, so it, it, it goes back to um, the eternal perspective, but also learning from people's mistakes, was there anyone in, you don't have to say names, but was there any situations or, or people that you learned from going along in your life that you're like, saw their situation, you're like, uh, I don't want, to, or you learned from their situation, I don't want to repeat that, or I want to do something differently in my life, was there anyone like that in your life? um not particular
1: i never focus on one individual Mm -hmm. so like the thing that i really like doing is having a role model that is smarter wiser holier than me right in 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 some retrospect and then trying to outgrow them not in a negative sense not from a prideful ambitions way but that means i'm learning Um, i'm i'm pursuing god in a sense right and so my thing is if i'm not outgrowing my role models the, my ceiling is just my role model, right? And so my role models, I'll learn their lessons, you know? Oh, that's what you're doing financially. That's how you're inheriting. That's what you're doing with your assets. So I'll just kind of have different role models in different areas, I'll, I'll, I'll attempt that, right? And yeah. uh, Then my, my pursuit is to outgrow them, but not to notice their flaws, but to notice their lessons. And that's kind of the, the grace approach. It's like, what's the lessons that, you know, what's this relationship doing? Or what can I give to this relationship? Because it's gotta be two-sided, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just I'm just learning. I'm always I'm excited to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'd rather learn not on my own skin um, on yeah, I could rather just watch and learn. <laughs> that's why YouTube is such a big hit, right? We could just two click on it and learn right, yeah, two minutes later.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I mean, and that I mean, that's such a deeper topic because YouTube, you could watch a video on the same thing for thirty minutes. Nobody's gonna watch that, right? They're gonna watch the two minute clip or the thirty second clip. They could learn the same thing. If we could just structure that video, more people will watch it. And so I kind of have the same thing. What can I learn as soon as possible so I can move on to the next thing? I don't want to spend three hours watching one video and then another video. And same thing, I don't want to live life that way where I got to learn the same lesson, spend 15 years learning the same lesson. I'd rather take 15 seconds, learn, and then continue, and then continue, right? And build off of that. That's
0: a great point. What would you tell your 21 year old self?
1: 21, 21 year old self, okay, rely on God and not rely on man. I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is I've allowed um, other role models and other people in my life. And I've kind of, and it's not their fault by any means, but I've allowed myself to kind of, okay, they're going to create certain things for me. They're going to create these opportunities or these avenues for me rather than God. And God had to break that a few times. And now it's like, even you guys kind of mentioned Lost Trails. It's like... I'm just going to focus on God. God's going to help me through. God is going to help me through all of that rather than man, rather than my own efforts because, I'm, I, you know, half the time I don't know what I'm doing. So I just kind of rely on, on God in that sense. So my biggest lesson is, is rely on God and seek His obedience and His reverence over anything, over an encounter, over an experience. is just like who He is as an individual over, over anything else. And so, um, but fear has kind of been, been a big thing for me. Obedience has been a big thing for me.
0: So you say like rely on god and that's kind of a big um uh like something that's very important to all of us as christians like we we must trust in god we must trust that god's gonna take care of us but at w- what's the balance between like you putting in the effort as well like you having to actually go out and do the things and then trusting god as well like where, where is that balance
1: okay so the balance is I always say, exhaust your options. So if you know that you're in the in the place that you need to be, like lost trails, I know this is what I where I need to be for whatever the legacy or something else. I'm gonna exhaust all my options, okay. all of my options. I'm not. I'm never gonna sit a day and wait for for God to do something. You know what I mean? But He's gonna create opportunities behind the scene. A lazy man shall not eat. Right. And so that's the thing. I'm gonna exhaust every option that's in front of me, and then I'm just gonna press and press and press, and God will create
0: because He's there. So like an open door, or, open door or something like that, yeah.
1: But he will never honor a lazy man, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So my thing is, I will always exhaust my options.
0: Yeah. Going back to your business, a lot of your business right now is coming from, or I guess sales is coming from word of mouth referrals. Um, how, where does that even come from? Like how how are you able to start, like grow your business, continue getting sales with only word of mouth? Like you haven't done really any marketing or anything like that.
1: Um, I I prefer if you build a quality product, Mm. people will always return and people will always share because there's something to share about, right? It's a Costco principle. Um, And then the second thing is I always look from the way ahead. If customer service, Mm. if you build a bad product, you will need a very good customer service, somebody that could return products and resend new products. If you develop a good enough product, you don't really need a customer service on the back end. Right. Because it goes out there, they install it. It should never fail. Mm-hmm. And so when I have that approach going into designing or engineering something, it's like I never want to get a call and say something failed, right? right. So I'm going to over-engineer because I'm thinking about the customer service side. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather not have that department
0: in the future. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So everything from like packaging, from um, the way you're sending it out, everything is thought out. Correct. Everything's thought out. Correct. Interesting.
1: I never want to get a call from a customer that something is, is not the case.
0: Have you ever gotten that?
1: Um, one time we had a regroup and I was grateful that we were so small because we were able to make the revisions on all the other products. One thing that, that we missed. And so it's like, we were grateful, like, oh, you know, sometimes you're like, God, I want to be big. I want to, I want to have a bigger company. But then there's certain lessons that you'd rather learn when you're small Mm -hmm. because the overhead and the cost of that is so much, so much less. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd rather learn the lesson with three people rather than 3000.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, going off that as well, like a lot of us, we want a lot of money right away. We want like when we're going to business, we're like, all right, like where's when the sales going to come? When all this going to come? How do you even like build up to that? How are you like? Is there a point where like God's like, all right, you can't take that, you know, like you're not going to be able to take all that fin- finances, you know, you're not going to be able to take all that fame. Um, is that something that goes through in all of our lives when we're going to businesses?
1: There's a struggle of that, but I, I think if you follow biblical principles of, of hard work and dedication and yeah. treating people right, um, you know, those those principles, biblical principles, you'll always succeed in due time and in the in the right timing. Mm. But I don't think God is ever gonna make you succeed just for you to fail or lose the thing that, that's the most to you and that's your, you know.
0: It's a little bit off topic. If we go okay. off the finances, if we go prosperity gospel. Okay. Make a little bit of connection right there. What why how where do people even get that like idea that god wants everyone to be prosperous like where where did that come from
1: it came from a certain movement, um, historical, right, that they could they could sell and God wants the best for you. And He's a loving Father and He wants to give you something. And if you sow into my ministry, I will make a certain prayer because I'm above everybody else. And if I pray, God will hear my prayer yeah. and bless you. But it comes from a place of desperation. When someone is desperate, they're willing to sow into something or someone but you're sowing into a man rather than than god and so kind of prosperity has has built off of that um, god wants us to live a prosperous life and i don't mean not be not financially sound but in every area to mm-hmm. prosper right mentally spiritually um, for his glory but that's the key for his glory prosperity how it started off was like okay we could prosper for for the lord but then we get shifted into building castles with that
0: prosperity rather than kingdom
1: yeah and so that, that's kind of where the danger com, comes in and, and hurts so many people, you
0: know. Mm. So how do you know, like, like, if you're walking down the wrong path, where it's like, all right, yeah, you could be growing a business. Maybe God wants you to grow this business, but maybe you're doing it the wrong way. Like, how do you know to stay on the right path, basically,
1: you know? It's motives. It's also continuing having a relationship. Like if your goal, if you say, hey, Twin Pod, we just want to make money and that's my only goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sad. You, you're already projected in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. like if this the, the podcast has a, a different goal in mind, you know, a kingdom mindset, even if you fall off, God will always correct. Because that's the goal in mind you're pursuing or you're yeah. heading towards something, you know. But if it's like, hey, I just want to make money, for, for what reason? If you're, you're not quite sure, mm-hmm. it's like, I want to build a legacy. Well, what does that even mean? How do you build a legacy with money? What are you going to, you know? Yeah. Um, you're going to build a whole bunch of assets that you can't take with you. And so it has to be more than that. But that's, that's kind of where it begins.
0: Mm. C- kind of switching topics, I guess, um, to say for someone, like for instance, for me, uh, personally, I, I moved to Florida like two months ago. You know, I'm still looking for the church that I want to fit into and all that with my wife. Um, What would you recommend to someone, say someone that has no ministry yet, um, to find their giftings? Because, you know, in every ministry, there's certain giftings that that work better for that ministry. For instance, for preaching, for teaching, for counseling. You know, there's certain gifts that work better for those ministries. So, what would you recommend to someone just to get started and just to kind of find their gifts and what they're good at? So,
1: to find a home church in to utilize your gifting or to find your gifting? There's,
0: well, say, let's say um, you already found the home church. Now, okay. kind of where to step into now?
1: So, I mean, I always say first find your community that you could grow, that you could get and give, mm-hmm. right? So find a church that you could do that. And then once you get in, there's always opportunities to serve. It doesn't have to be your calling. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm a preacher. So I have to find a church or a group where that's gonna, that's gonna be honored, right? If you feel like that's the place that God wants you to be, God creates these opportunities, not man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you focus on that, you'll be okay. I had a, I had a young individual call me once, and, and he called me. He's like, hey, can you speak at our camp? And, and he's, you know, he's trying to sell this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be this much people. It, it's such a big thing. And he said, I'm just trying to give you this opportunity. And I'm like, I know he's young, so I'm going to kind of you know, be soft on him. But I'm like, you can't create opportunities for me. That is God's job. Because then I'm going to say yes, or I'm going to exhaust myself trying to, trying to go about and trying to create these ministry gifting and opportunities, right? So that's never been my approach. My approach is if you feel like you found a home church, when you move, plug in anywhere that you can. You must be first plugged in and then serve where you can. Like, okay, greeter team, plug yourself in. We went to a different church and we sat in the back for a while. And, and the thing that we wrestled with was the most was, am I bearing my gifts, that that was the big concern for me is like, am I bearing my gifts or am I just being obedient in that season? And, but it always goes back to, you don't have to worry about your opportunities. Like that that is God's responsibility. He creates, He gave the talents out there. And so for me, it's like, I'm not bearing, I'm not running away from anything, but I'm not gonna sell myself and like, oh, I could do this or I could do that or watch me do this. I, I, I was I was never doing that. Kind of sat in my corner and anything that needed help with like, okay, we got to set up for this party or lead a life group. Um, became a a co-leader, whatever it was, and it it just kind of grows. But that's what's more important, you know? The principle that I live by, this is really good in business or in ministry, is there's a biblical spot that says, in the Bible there's a spot where it says, when you enter a place, sit at the back of the table. Mm. Don't go to the front of the table where the host is because Mm. what if somebody takes you and asks you to go to the back of the table? Like, oh no, this spot is saved for a king or something else, and you kind of keep moving back. My approach has always been sit at the back. You know, I sit down, somebody asks me to move, I move. You know what I mean? If the pastor says, like, hey, scoot up three spots or do that, I'm going to do that in, and I'm talking about service. You know what I mean? If they want me to wash dishes, I'm going to wash dishes, clean bathrooms, whatever it is. And then they move me up. And that's, that's their responsibility to do, to do that. You know, not...
0: So are you kind of saying like, you have to be ready to step into a ministry? Like, don't force yourself there. Um, wait for a moment where someone from leadership asks you to do it or how would you No,
1: i always say just serve god and let's say you come to a new church Uh and i mean this applies to you you moved and you've kind of recently moved and i've moved churches Mm -hmm. um i wasn't looking for a position or or i need to serve in this way i need to use my my gifting or anything else that that's never been the approach the approach is how can i honor honor god by serving his people here if it's cleaning the floors that's what it is mm-hmm. you know what i mean hey can you do can you do this can you clean on saturday sure yeah no problem you know and that that's been my approach cuz that speaks more of the heart rather than uh, oh i i'm somebody special you know yeah. and that's never been my approach oh, i'm somebody special so
0: i guess to kind of bounce off that then well, how would how would then you ever step into like a ministry that you
1: feel like you're called you to, to you're called so to most churches are our, our current church there's a a serverless, like what you feel like God has called you to do. And that usually happens through like a membership course or something else or your next step. So they, they kind of, what do you think God has called you to do? And you kind of fill that out and you sit down with the pastor or, or some kind of elder in that church and you kind of work through that.
0: Okay. This is going to be for like younger men that are just kind of starting out in preaching. You were once, um, starting out prepping sermons, everything like that. How do you know when, preaching is not your gift, or like maybe you shouldn't be stepping into there. <clears throat>
1: um, have, have people in your life that, have a heart that allows people to speak into. Okay. And if you're a young man, you should have, if the structure is there, you should have someone in your life that, that is speaking into you. Mm-hmm. I, I love singing. That's like my, my, my greatest <laughs> joy in life is singing. Um, I'm not allowed to sing in public, you know, um, if, you know if you know me, right? Um, there's many times I got kicked out of a church choir, you know, because it's like, dude, there's just, there's just it's not there. Because I'm so passionate, you know, I'm just singing out loud and, and losing my voice at every song. Um, and they're like, you got to hit this note. And I'm like, what note? There's no notes. It's not like an instrument, you right. know. They're like, no, no, you have to hit a note. And I'm like, you know, this, just foreign to me. Just sing what sing from your heart, you know. Um, and there was a time in worship uh, on, on like a service. I'm like somebody's like, I don't know why they're not worshiping. And I'm like... I'm like, well, maybe they don't know how to sing. And the individual turns to me, he's like, you don't know how to sing, but you're, you know, you're singing your heart out. <laughs> right. I was offended, but there was plenty of people that did that. Right. Yeah. But I think, um, passion should never like really talk about your calling. That's not what it is. You could be passionate about other things. That doesn't mean you're, but it also God will instill a certain passion for something. Mm-hmm. Um, there was somebody in my life and it's an older sibling of mine, my oldest brother. I preached at, at some camp and, and I was just asked to step in and I was just being obedient. I was, I was helping, I was cleaning the restrooms right before that. They had to organize something and then they're like, hey, can you close out this thing with a word? And and I did, it was a short word. And he pulled me aside and he said, hey, there's an anointing in your life. I want you to pursue this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm trying to figure out how to sing. I'm trying to do singing (laughs) lessons, you know. Um, And so, no, he he invited me over to dinner and he said, hey, there's a call. There's a call. You you really need to figure out your doctrine. Mm-hmm. You're kind of all over the place. You got to figure out how, how to pray because you, you're kind of you're doing all of that. But it was just having somebody in my life. And and to this day, he'll call me and say, hey, that's a great word. Oh, you kind of need to work on this um, and kind of guide me in that. But it was somebody else's voice, um, maybe like a shepherd or like a role model that or a mentor.
0: Yeah.
1: that said, hey, there, there's something in that and you should pursue. And that, that was all he said is that you should pursue this. Like, don't give up on this keep pressing, and I think there's something, I think there's a call over it, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes, like, when, when you're just starting out preaching, I remember, I was very nervous, like, to go up, I was um, shaking, my leg was shaking, you know, I remember one time in in uh, Mexico, I had to preach, I was, I think, 16, and I was up there, and I just had to do, like, a five-minute word, and my leg is all over the place, like, it's, like shaking, so, like, how do you know where, maybe it's just, like, your body uncomfortable like you yourself are uncomfortable but maybe it's still god's like plan like it's still god still wants you to preach but like how do you get around the fear and all this stuff like how do you know that the fear isn't what's telling you not to do it but god still wants you to do it does that make sense
1: yeah it makes sense um so i think it's a two-part question the first part is there's signs that, hey, maybe this isn't for me. But the second thing is most of our anxiety and our fears come from is what are other people going to think about us? Like, okay, what, what is you know, this group of people or this church going to um, think about us, right? Um, and so it becomes about you, and, and that's where the fear is. Like, what if uh, I don't deliver? What right, if I lose right. my opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. It goes back to that. Um, and that's where a lot of our anxiety comes from. Like, if you feel like this is what you, God is calling you to do wants you to do, and you just do out of out of obedience, kind of what we spoke about, You'll be okay. I still have plenty of nerves that I got to deal with all the time. I want to make sure I, I, I'm doing a sound doctrine, right? That I'm preaching to glorify God. And so there's a lot of that. Um, but a lot of that could be a, alleviated from just good preparation in his revelation. So it's like you're you're not... Most people will pray that God's presence is felt on the pulpit mm-hmm. and not on their knees outside of the pulpit, right? right. Okay. So the revelation, the the time with God has to come outside of the pulpit, right? And then... The pulpit is kind of just something you deliver a a, a time that you spent with God, a revelation that you received from God to His people, and and if you kind of look at it that way, it's okay. Like for me, it's like if I go up and and I preach something and I feel like that was the revelation God gave me, it's got to be sound, it's got to be biblically accurate. You, you know, the, all of that has to be there. And if I fail, I always look at it this: what's the worst case? My pastor's going to be call me like you can never preach again. It's like all right, you know, I tried. You know, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to go back to singing. Um, <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but no, it kind of removes that, like that pressure, you know. Like, yeah. so I remember going into this new church. It was like you're kind of preaching, and you're like, ah, what are they thinking? I'm new here. I'm I preaching a little bit different, you know. And then it's like, what am I doing? I'm making it all about myself, and that's got that 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 has to be emptied out yeah. before you empty uh, before you enter the the pulpit. And that's that's kind of my thing is like, um, I think Alistair Begg says that I fill myself with like. Uh, biblical prep, and then I empty myself of all things. Mm. And then I allow God to kind of fill me in, into whatever I'll be speaking. And so I'm doing the same. I'm trying to do the same thing, I'm trying to empty myself of my opinions, my agenda. Because too often people will go up there and like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit talking through me, and they'll just speak agendas and go down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. But then people get hurt. And so for me, it's like, I want to empty myself. I want to be an empty uh, canvas that the Holy Spirit is kind of putting in a word into me. His
0: revelations go a lot further than Danny's revelations. And, and yeah,
1: that, that's always my
0: approach. Yeah, and then, um, so you mentioned that your brother kind of helped you, helped push you in a way to yeah. start preaching and stuff like that. Um, when I was in Bible school, one of the most impactful things to me was having a mentor in my life. Um, how important would you say it is for everyone whether whichever season you are in life how however old you are in life? How important is it to you to or would you say it is to have a mentor in your life someone you could look up to someone you could ask questions to and
1: Extremely yeah. Extremely, um, but I realized that like even speaking of all our culture That isn't as important to generations to come because we're so busy building and trying to support our families mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's a wrong model but I think it's extremely critical to have a role model in your life, a accountability individual that could kind of guide you and save you from a lot of grief. And that, that's kind of the thing is it's like, I don't want to make mistakes. So I'm going to tap in. Um, there's plenty of times where it's like, hey, do you want to be my role model? Do you want to help me in this? It becomes awkward when you have to ask for that. Um, but even when I was a youth leader in, in the church, too many people were trying to have me as their role model. And I'm like. I'm missing a role model you know i'm I'm emptying myself every day but I have no one to kind of look up to not just to look up to but someone that was sewn into my life and that that became like a mission like who can I find you know but yeah extremely important
0: so then how can you find someone like who who you look for how <sighs> you Find a mentor in your
1: life? someone that that cares and wants to be invested into you and your and into that process without any form of agenda i don't yet yeah. But that, but I mean, you, you pray and you just like kind of seek out and get around people that are not your age and say, you know, tap into that. But I believe our churches need to build that culture for sure.
0: What about like finding a mentee? Should you go out and if you see like someone younger than you, um, that you see a lot of potential in them, should you go up to them and be like, can I mentor you? Or is that maybe something that you shouldn't do? Maybe you should, you should always wait for someone to come up to you and ask to be a mentor.
1: No, nah, I don't think you should ever wait for anything. If you feel like you see something and you could benefit the kingdom mm-hmm. and benefit and grow that individual, yeah, definitely come up and say, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Um, you know, let's go on a coffee coffee date or let's go play tennis or pick a ball, whatever it is, you know." Um, but yeah, you should never like wait until somebody comes to you. I mean, they're they're young. They don't know how this works, you That's know. True, yeah. <clears throat> so you you're, you're going to be a little older. You're going to have a little bit more wisdom. Come up and just just be the, be a friend first off, you know just show that somebody else cares and then guide them.
0: How do you, in, how do you instill this like mentor culture in a youth?
1: Um, so the way we try to do it is anybody that was older would have to like kind of have somebody that they mentor go get a coffee date. Okay. Um, and that was kind of uh, intentional. And, and I mean, we, we've seen a lot of fruit in that, but it, it also has to be a culture where people want to do that and see a level of importance. Okay. Everybody wants a role model. But it's like, okay, well, if you can't find a role model, be one. And then maybe, you know, wow. you'll get one, you know. Good. <laughs> but everybody's like sitting around like, all right, God, I just want a role model. It's so important. You know, everybody's talking about it. I get it. Mm-hmm. But exhaust the options. Become a role model. Be everything that you don't have. Yeah. And then, I mean, God will always provide.
0: How do we see? So, I mean, in the Bible, when we read the Bible, we see so in like, especially the New Testament, we see so much of these giftings, yeah. prophecy, teaching, um, word of uh word of knowledge word of knowledge knowledge, all these giftings and and there's so much of them and then we not in all churches but in some churches we go to them and we see that you know only one of the giftings is being used or a few of them not all of them and we don't see the rest of them how do we how do we see the rest yeah (laughs) (laughs) um well i'm
1: not gonna speak on every church's behalf but what i'm going to speak on is there's a lot of other gifting that are utilized behind closed doors. So we shouldn't assume that a church, what we see on Sunday service is that what it's limited to or that's what they believe in. They believe in a different structure and those giftings are operated in a one-on-one format or on a Wednesday night or on something else. And the teaching gift is is usually utilized on a Sunday morning where, you know, there's children or other people in place. But I'm never going to jump to the conclusion what happens on a Sunday morning is the only gifting that, that is being operated in. So... So yeah, we, we believe, like for me, I had this conversation in the morning with a friend. Um, it's like discipleship and deliverance, but it's never one or the other because that's how you get off, like in business, you get, get upstream or in, in your views where you put a certain thing on a pedestal, like life just revolves around deliverance, right? And that's it. Or just you put a pedestal of, and I hate saying this, but maybe the Bible, and this is all we're worshiping rather than everything else. Mm-hmm. A healthy church operates in everything, but it doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning, you know?
0: That makes sense so if you feel like you have one of the giftings, say um, prophecy or word of knowledge, how do you grow in that gifting?
1: um I mean, I would get with your pastor in in that sense and just kind of like hey, this is what i'm what i'm feeling in and and getting and this is where kind of role model comes comes in place if you're in a church of six hundred people, mm-hmm. so this happened in my old church where somebody's like, hey, I, I think I have a gift of prophecy, and so <clears throat> They're like, hey, there's going to be some older prophets coming into town. I want you to spend two hours with them. Mm-hmm. And they'll pray over you and they'll talk with you and they'll guide you. Because my grandpa was like, hey, I feel like this is my thought or this is the thought, you know, this is prophetic or, or the word of knowledge. Yeah. And so a role model in that area, um, they kind of guide you in that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, no, 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 this is this is not it, you know. But I think all gifts should be pursued. You should never be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stop. Pursue. Find someone to kind of be a role model in that.
0: Do you think someone could have all the giftings of the spirit? Sure. Interesting.
1: It says some will have these. Some, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to limit God or just create a different structure. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, why does, why does our church focus, or I guess not our church, but like the Slavic church, uh, Russian, Ukrainian, all these churches, why do they mostly only focus on tongues?
1: Uh, assurance of salvation, which is like a doctrine in itself, but usually that will be the sign that follows. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that's it's not the doctrine that, that I'm, I'm I believe in but that's what hey if you're baptized or there's another manifestation that comes the assurance that you will have that salvation or the baptism of the Holy Spirit will follow with tongues. We don't see that in Scripture, but people see that in, in certain areas and they make it prescriptive like this is what has to happen rather than treating it as descriptive where it had occurred in certain areas in the Bible.
0: You have mentioned that before to me, the prescriptive and descriptive. Can you kind of break that down? What is prescriptive and then what does descriptive mean? The Bible's
1: kind of laid out. There's things that are prescribed for mm-hmm. us to do and then things that are described. So I'm, I'm looking, you're, you're reading a story in the Bible. I'm uh, observing David's life, right? Mm-hmm. And something happens, right? And it's like, oh, I need to do that because that was in the Bible and this is how I'm going to create my breakthrough. That's not the case. It's describing his stories, describing his his life and that we're extracting principles from or seeing God's attributes mm-hmm. in that story, but we can't treat it as prescriptive. Like this is how I need to live my life. It's prescribed. There's other things in the Bible that are prescribed. You have to do this. You need to do this. You um, Salvation is received, right, by through grace, by faith, right? Those things are prescribed. They're not like, it's not just describing these things, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that would be the kind of difference of, of how you break things apart.
0: Yeah. So. so what would be like your biggest life lesson?
1: Biggest life lesson? Um, don't worry about opportunities. And I'm just bringing that up. We, we kind of spoke about that, but don't worry about opportunities, just be faithful and pursue him and be obedient. And try to find peace in in everything that you do with with him, you know. Mm -hmm. But obedience would definitely be my my main goal in life. Is I just there's nothing greater in life than being obedient to him, because it just overwhelms you with his peace and his presence. Too often we we pursue like his presence in different ways, but it's it's through obedience. Like,
0: yeah, it goes back to the verse uh, Matthew 6:33, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all of this will be added unto you. I mean, that was for that whole year of Bible school. That was my biggest like to go back to verse of the yeah verse of the year i would say perfect going off bible school real quick before we end um do you recommend everyone to go to bible school or with what's, what's like something that someone maybe shouldn't go to bible school
1: i don't think there's a case where you shouldn't if the opportunity is presented uh-huh. you should definitely explore that option but it don't treat it like you have to do something right. to, to you know but if if you can um, I would definitely explore that. There's a certain age. Like it's going to be harder for me to go to a Bible school right now with three kids yeah. than somebody that's young. And if you're young, I mean, definitely go for it. Like don't let that stop you. Don't let resources or finances. Too often it's pride. Like oh, I don't have enough resources or I'm delaying this. Like I'm delaying to go into the professional field. Like it's going to be there for the next 40 years.
0: What about if your pastors don't like the Bible college you want to go to? That's that's a hard one.
1: Um, I would always honor the the pastoral guidance in that um, there's usually reasons mm. why they don't like something, yeah. and I don't really believe you should dishonorate someone that's that's you know placed there in your life, so yeah, yeah. try to have a conversation, you know, invite him over for coffee. you know it's like, hey, I really want to go. Mm. These are the reasons why I want to go and and maybe he could help guide you in in your reasoning
0: yeah very great stuff, Daniel yeah. very rebellion stuff. is never an option. <laughs> <laughs> So no. Rebellion is not an option because we had a good friend of ours that actually, we wanted him to go to the Bible school with us. Yeah. And he's like, ah, I just started my job. I can't, you know, like I can't take that much time off or whatever. And you know what? The Lord always finds a way because a few weeks later, a few weeks after the Bible college started, he went on a snowboarding trip. He went off a jump, <laughs> broke his collarbone, was out for from work for six months. Perfectly the time frame that we were at Bible school. So, so he could have yeah. win. could have win. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah, hopefully you don't have to break your collarbone and kind of go to go to Bible college. True, yeah, true. So, for sure. Learn yeah. off of everybody else's mistakes, right? Yeah, that's kind of what we spoke this about. That's true. Cool.
0: cool. Main point. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Daniel, for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you for having I mean, us. A lot of, lot of nuggets from this from this, this lot of podcast. A lot of nuggets from this episode. We really appreciate it. Um, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. All right, see you guys.